amazing Sunday. It is the year 1917. For the positional battle of the First World War in northeastern France, German soldiers have built a whole trench system. The German foot soldier Kurt Geiler was fast asleep when a grenade hit a trench at Verdun. It drilled its way into the shelter. The inferno broke out over Kurt. Support beams burst into pieces. Earth and dirt crashed down. Despite his drowsiness, the 23-year-old was able to run outside. The dead and wounded lay everywhere. The screams of the buried were heard from the shelter. Only Kurt remained unharmed. Later, when he gathered his belongings in the ruins, he found his Bible again. The shell splinter, the size of a child's hand, had drilled its way into the book. As always, Kurt had put the book under his head to sleep. This had saved his life. Wow! <laughs> Thank you guys. Thank you guys. You may be seated. What an amazing story. This true story of this young German soldier in First World War who literally his Bible saved his life. Because he made it a habit to have his Bible all the time with him because he was a Christian and so during the day he was reading his Bible and at night he used his Bible as a pillow and this saved his life. It's crazy. So I'm asking the question tonight, do we today still realize that this book is vital for our life? Not just if we use it as a pillow, you might use your Bible as a pillow. It won't transform your life, usually. Or if it sits on your bookshelf and gets maybe a little bit dusty. But this book, if you make it a central, essential part of your life, has the potential to change your life forever. And you know, today we are a smartphone generation. So, we even don't have any excuse at all not to carry the Bible with us all the time. Even if you go on holiday, probably you'll take your smartphone with you. And so you have your Bible. So we can carry our Bible everywhere we are. The question is, do we engage regularly with our Bible? Are we reading our Bible? Do we make it a habit to build our life on the Word of God. I want to pick up from where Dr. Roby left last Sunday. He talked about different kinds of communities. And he said the community, the church, is a free-willed community because you decided out of your free will to be part of this community. It's a free-willed community that shares a common passion and common convictions and follows a common goal, which is to grow spiritually. That's what Dr. Robbie said last Sunday. So, and he rightly said, you don't have to have everything under control to be part of a church. So you don't have to have it all to be part of a church. 
I think it's quite the contrary that if you realize probably that you can't do it on your own in your life, that you realize you need this community. You need this community who helps you grow to become more like Jesus. And so as a church, ICF Church, we have a, a goal that we defined and you will hear more about that next Sunday. We have Vision Sunday next Sunday. Make sure you're in the house next Sunday. Vision Sunday are amazing Sundays with Pastor Leo and Susanna. We'll share about the vision of our church for this year and everything that is coming up. So make sure you're here. But I'll, tonight I will share our, our common goal, our goal that we define as a church. Probably you have heard it before. So we wrote, and you can read that on our webpage, and it says there, ICF Church follows the following goal. We exist to see people become more like Jesus Christ and fearlessly change their world. So this is the goal. Overall, this is the reason why we do church. It's not just to have a good time together, to listen to nice sermons, to have good food after the service. This is all okay, but this is all helping us to fulfill this goal that we can help each other grow spiritually, that we can become fearless, that we understand our calling, that we understand that we, God wants to change us so that we can make a change because God loves us way too much to leave us the way we are. And you know, this goal that we defined as a church, we didn't just take it out of from nowhere. We actually took it from the Bible. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm so happy about that. Yes. So at different places in the Bible, that's exactly what it says when it comes to our our um, goal that we uh, pursue as Christians, for instance, in Colossians 3, verses 9 to 10, it says there, Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. And in some translation it says, you have put off your garment. You have just taken off your coat, your old life. You just stripped off your old life like a coat. And, you know, to be honest, it's not that easy, you know, when it comes to you decided to walk with Jesus and it would be easy if you could just put off your old coat, everything, your sinful nature, and now everything is all right. right. I mean, of course, you've become a new nature from the moment on where you decided you want to walk with Jesus, but all your problems or your temptations or the things that you are fighting with, the things from your past, don't just disappear, right? So there is something involved after putting off your coat, and it continues here, it says, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn as you learn to know your creator and become like him. So it says here, as you learn, you learn, you develop, you advance, you go forward, you get to know him more and more. And the more you know him, the more you will reflect his likeness and you will become the way that you originally were created in the image of God. So this is what we call spiritual growth. So when we come together as a church, it's about growing. It's about learning. 
It's about applying. It's about change. It's about freedom. That step for step comes into your life. And I tried to uh, write down a definition of spiritual growth. So we all agree on what I'm talking about. So the definition that I want to give you tonight is the following. Spiritual growth is the aspiration to be less and less the person I was before I knew Jesus Christ, but to become more and more like Jesus in thoughts, words, and deeds. So you see, that's the process. So it's the old nature. It's the old nature before I knew Jesus with the life that I lived on my own without caring about anyone maybe and anything. And then I got to know Jesus. I made this decision to follow him. And from this moment, I take one step at a time in the community of the Christians. We help and cheer each other on to become more and more like Jesus. This is the goal of church. This is why we do church. And Dr. Robbie, last Sunday, made this comparison uh, with a sports club. So he said, church... It's, it's like a sports club. You know, like that's my team. That's FC Aarau. That's the greatest football team in Switzerland. Yes, it is. It's the team of my childhood. And what he said is, you know, to be part of a team is not just sharing the same colors. Of course, you're sharing the same colors if you play on the same team so you can identify each other. Did you know that I'm colorblind? So this is not so easy for me to play the team, you know. But it's not the sharing of the colors that makes us a team, but it's the shared passion for the game. It's the, sh the shared goal to win the championship. It's the shared goal to win something, at least one game or one point or whatever. Now, FCR is not that bad at the moment. We had our times suffering. And what he said is every team has a coach. And what is the goal of the coach? The coach is training the team so that each player improves and becomes a better team player. And how does the coach do this? He do this by repetition. So when you have your training sessions, whether it's football or basketball or, or maybe it's, it's going into the gym or whatever the sports is that you are doing, when you have a coach, the coach will train you and you will do all the time the same practices. Why? Because the coach wants you to get the routines. He wants to get you the uh, automatic motions happening so that automatically in a game plane without using too much of your brain power you take the right decision faster than your opponents that's what you train so that's why training sometimes can be very boring because you're always doing the same thing and maybe you don't see why what what is the reason of that but in the game you will see, especially when it comes to football, you will see the best teams, they have the routines so that they can react to every game situation faster than their opponents. And so they train, they train, they get, get these automatisms that help um, have these uh, independent motion sequences uh, that is independent from your consciousness. 
I don't know if I ever told you, but I play on a team, the FC Muhen Senioren. It's in my village. So it's the 30 plus. So I have a picture here, and here we are cheering because that was before the game. I'm not so sure about after the game, but before the game, we were always good and cheering. And so I was thinking about this automatic motion, and I thought, you know, the only two things that really work automatically in our team is the chaos on the pitch and the beer after the game. <laughs> we're working hard on that. But this is working. Each time the game is finished, there's beer. Because you're thirsty, of course. Of course, it's beer without alcohol. But here, our coach tries to teach us some stuff. But he is a poor guy, I must say. But still, it's fun. So, automatic processes in sports is something uh, very important. But that's something that we know in our everyday life, uh, everyday life too. We have lots of automated processes in our life. It's called routines or habits. And uh, they help us. Actually, they help us to use our brain power more in a more efficient way so that we're not overwhelmed by the complexity of everyday life. So habits actually are something vital, is something very important in our life. Otherwise, if you would always for every little thing have to think, how do I really have to do this? You would, it would be very hard to live actually. And so I was thinking about this, how do uh, habits work. And, you know, last Sunday, Dr. Robbie was here, so I know that I have to keep up with the intellectual level of what I'm saying, you know. So Dr. Robbie was here, and of course, he's brighter than me, but at least I'm better looking. <laughs> so, I, I want to bring, take you a little bit into neurology. Neurology, the science of the brain. Are you ready for it? So, I, I don't have, a, a, like, a doctor title, but I'll just pretend... Uh, so, that I know what I'm talking about, okay? So, <laughs> very deep in our brain, there's a picture of your brain, and your brain is like a, an onion. Did you know that? It's like different layers, you know, from the inside to the outside. So, that's, that's how your brain works. And in the middle of your brain, uh, close to the brain stem, there's the basal ganglia. You knew this. Yeah. I'm just reminding you, you know. I know you know that. Basal ganglia, that's something, you're talking about this every day. So it's not something new. But that's the basal ganglia, and they control automatic behavior, like breathing, swallowing, things that your body is doing automatically. So there's lots of, of, of things like that that you don't think about every single minute it's just happening. It's automatic behavior. And this happens in this basal ganglia. And it's interesting, they, they had uh, some, some patients that had some brain damage. And people who have the damage in their basal ganglia, they, 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 they could still think like these amazing thoughts and, 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 and they had lots, they didn't lose their memory and all of that, but they had trouble doing the very simple things in everyday life because their part of the brain where this automatic behavior, these routines were stored, was damaged. And so in the basal ganglia, our habits, our routines are stored. And these routines are activities who, through constant repetition, 
became habits in our life. I want to uh, show you how this works. It's called the habit loop. That's the habit loop. How does the habit loop work? It starts, oops, that's the wrong one. There we go. It starts with a trigger. So there's something triggering your basal ganglia. So when it happens, it can be a sound, it can be a situation, it can be a place, it can be anything. The trigger tells your brain, okay, basal ganglia, take over. Oh my goodness. Take, take over, take control. Do the routine, the things that you have learned. And so the routine is controlled by the basal ganglia. And at the end, you have a reward. And this reward defines if your brain is storing the routine. So the more you're doing this, this routine will be stored. I'll give you an example. A trigger can be the Champions League hymn. The Champions League hymn is a trigger. And then suddenly, beer and crisps, it's just happens. You're sitting in front of the TV and you know it. There's routine happening. The trigger is Champions League him, and like a zombie you walk into the kitchen, you go to the fridge, you know exactly where the crisps are and then you're sitting there and you think, why? It's the routine. And the reward is it just feels good. It just feels good. So this is an example of a trigger. And habits develop, why? Because our brain constantly looks for ways to make less effort. So that's it's interesting. So what neurologies uh, has um, seen is that when the basal ganglia is taking over and, and sends you into a routine, your... your um, brain is working less. So your brain actually can relax because it doesn't have to think too much. And so it happens automatically and you have enough brain power to think about other things during that time. An example is, for instance, if you learn uh, driving a car. You remember the first time you had your first driving lesson? You were sweating and you were like, do I have to look here or here and I have to the clutch and everything. And you were like exhausted after half an hour because it was not automated. I don't know how it is now. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully you learn some routines, but usually now you're sitting in a car and then it happens automatically. So you're driving. And then while you're driving, you can think about whatever you want to cook or if your kids are, uh, when are they finishing school or what is happening uh, today in church, you will meet someone. You're just driving all the time and you don't even realize that you're doing all these things because your basal ganglia is actually taking over control and your brain can be used for different things. Routines. Our everyday life is full of routines. You don't even realize it. But the, the thing is that routines don't happen just like this. They can be learned. They can be changed. You can be um, actively learning new habits and new routines when you're constantly doing the same 
things all the time, you will be able to install routines in your life. And tonight, I want to propose to you a routine that has the potential to change your life. You know, we're still at the beginning of, of the new year. I mean, for me, at least, it feels like that. I was on a sabbatical for the last two months. So I just came home from Australia. And it feels like January for me. And so usually at the beginning of a year, you're thinking about fresh habits. Maybe when it comes to sports or maybe it comes to your eating habits or in your relationships or in your, in your marriage. Maybe you're thinking about bad habits, things that you really want to stop. You think... There's not good fruits coming out of these habits. So at the beginning of the year, we, have, we set some goals to change stuff so we can grow, we can change in some areas. And so tonight, I want to challenge you to make a habit that will help you grow spiritually like no other. Like... The writer of Psalm 119 wrote in verse 56, this has been my practice. So we have a, a person who says, I have made a practice. I have done it on and on and on. What? I obey your precepts. I have made a practice to live according to your precepts. So what is he saying? Before you can live after the precepts, you need to know them. So what this guy is saying, I have made it a habit to build my life on your precepts and I have decided to live after your precepts. I have made a habit. So he filled his basal ganglia with some routine that helped in life. And what is the result of this habit? We read, for instance, in Psalm 1, verses 2 and 3, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night, day and night, routine, routine, habit, all the time. What is the result? They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do. This is the result of a life built on a habit of regularly engaging with the Word of God. And you know, tonight I'm your coach taking up this illustration because I'm your pastor, so I'm your coach. So my goal is to help you grow, is to give you some tools to grow spiritually. And so I read Psalm 1 and you said maybe, yeah, okay, that's the Bible, but does that really work in everyday life? I know the coach is measured by the results, eh? otherwise he is sacked, we know that. So I better give you some evidence that what is written in Psalm 1 actually is scientifically correct. And I wanna present to you a study uh, it's called the Power of Four. This study was conducted by the Center for Bible Engagement. And this center has done uh, this research with over 200,000 people around the world. You see the age, 8 to 80, 75 plus denomination. So this is a study that has been conducted with 
people in the churches, not people out there, people who say, I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm part of a church. And what did they try to find out? They did try to find out what is the correlation between Bible engagement and spiritual growth. Bible engagement and spiritual growth. So I can't go into too much details when it comes to the study, but I will show you the result. And what they found out is that people who regularly engage the Bible, and regularly doesn't mean once a week. It's not twice a week. Regularly in this study is at least four times a week. So they found out that people who spend time in the Bible most days of the week, four times is just most day of the week, who spend time most time, most days of the week with the Bible have the significant bigger growth spiritually than others. And I show you some of the results, for instance, when it comes to dealing with temptation. And again, I say these people are churchgoers. So we're all aware that even though you're part of a church, you're on your walk with Jesus, we're facing, uh, we're facing temptation. Maybe it's alcohol, maybe it's pornography, or it's different things. But the odds that people who engage four times or more a week in the Bible, that they do these practices here, you see, is significantly less than people who don't read their Bible. And it's significant. You see, 62% when it comes to alcohol. So it talks about people who, who read their Bible four or more times a week compared with people who don't do so. And there's another um, graphic that I want to show you. It's dealing with inner struggles. For instance, feeling spiritually stagnant or feel like you can't please God. And here again, people who engage regularly with the Word of God have significantly drop into these inner battles than all other people. And even it's, it's the spiritual, um, the, the spiritual uh, instrument that has the, the biggest effect, more than just coming to church or praying or going into a small group. The significance comes really when you engage with the Bible on a regular basis. And not just this on the last chart, it also makes your faith more active. You see, people who engage regularly with the Bible share their faith with other people much more than others. They have a more active faith. And also when it comes to, to donation, they just understand that they're blessed to be a blessing. And it's not just about their small world. It's about their relationship to God and that they have been born for, for bigger things. And this doesn't have to surprise us. You know, when it comes to our faith, our faith, our faith is something relational. So each time you engage the Bible, you are engaging in a conversation with God. And this relationship is transforming you from the inside out. There's one finding in this study that really stuck me. And I got a bit silent when I read that. As silent as you are tonight. It says there that there is statistically no difference in the behavior of people who never read their Bible 
and people who read their Bibles one to three times a week. It's crazy. It's crazy. So when it comes to regularly, I think it's so crucial that we make a habit out of it. You know, that we're not just expecting the Holy Spirit to show us when is the right moment to engage in the Word of God. And I feel it. It's the time. The bush is burning. It happened last month. It was amazing. You know, there's so many things in our lives that we make a habit of. Like jogging. Like doing all these things where you have... Your days, your hours, your set times where you are doing things. Why? Because it's important to you. And you see reward. You see results. And so what I'm proposing tonight is that engaging the Bible in a regular base will bring great reward into your life. And so I want to finish tonight with a very practical example. I just want to show you how I do this habit of reading the Bible. Starts like this, my alarm clock, early morning. So this is the trigger. I walk down the stairs, I don't even know how I do it, because it's my basal ganglia helping me walking down the stairs, not tripping over my black cat who is somewhere there in the dark. And I go into the kitchen, and then there's a holy sound. You know, in Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit fell onto the people in the upper room, there was some noise. You know how this sounded like? I'll show you. This is holy noise. So my coffee... I'll take my, my coffee, I walk into my living room, and there it is, my sofa, from Ikea, 180 bucks. <laughs> I sit there, early morning, ah, oh, divine. But my habit doesn't finish there with a the coffee. I take my Bible, so you'll see my phone on the screen. Uh, very practically, I don't say you have to do it this way. I just want to tell you about my routine, my daily routine. So I go to my app. It's for free, actually. And the way I do it is like I look at the daily verse. Here it's Colossians 2. I click on it and then I read the whole chapter just read the whole chapter so it's Colossians 2 and you know to read a whole chapter of the Bible takes you maybe 10 minutes not even so that's not a big deal so to read one chapter then I, I mark some verses and I just read it I just read it and I open my mind for the Holy Spirit I just I'm just expecting God to talk because it's early morning and I need to hear from him because I have challenging challenges waiting for me that day and what I usually do, uh, I, I mark some verses and verses that really talk to me. I copy them. I go into my journaling app. There's lots of journaling apps. 
just pick one. And I copy this verse in there and I write some thoughts. This is my routine. It's very easy. It takes me maybe 15 minutes. And I always have 15 minutes. It doesn't have to be in the morning. It can be on the train. It can be at lunchtime, whenever. But you know, this habit makes a huge difference. And I really want to challenge you tonight. Maybe this year is a time now to start a new habit in your life. And not, not because you have to. It's not because I'm the coach telling you, you have to do it. It's because I'm the coach and I know this habit will make you better. This habit will help you grow spiritually more than anything. You know, I love the courses. I love everything that we can have. But the easiest thing, and everyone can do it, is to read our Bible regularly. Just make it a habit. Make it a habit. And so I promise you, you can become the change that this world desperately needs. If we become more like Jesus, become fearless and understand that we all have a place where we can make a difference and to make this world a better place the Bible gives us everything we need to grow and to become this person and you know usually at the end of a sermon I would pray for you I would pray that God will help you understand the next step out of the message. You know, sometimes I think we don't need to pray. We just need to decide. We just need to take a decision to change or to start something new in our life. So the ball is with you. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a lamp to my path. All scriptures is breathed by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. But be doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. For the Word of the Lord is upright and all His work is done in faithfulness. 
Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth comes knowledge and understanding. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the Word of our God will stand forever. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in You, Word. The sum of your word is truth and every one of your righteous rules endure forever. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits and in His word I hope. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. In God, whose word I praise, in, tr in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted Word which is able to save your souls. Amen. God, I will trust your sovereignty when there is no clarity because I can't sit forever in my disappointment and pain, I'm going to stand. Fear loves to limit you. Fear loves to keep you where you are. Fear wants you to do what you have always done and never do anything else. Fear wants to shackle your potential and fear always wants to limit you. Jesus, I'm afraid. Jesus, let's do it. And there are moments when you are in a ladder, when you are facing an area where you're super afraid. Don't give up. Hallo und Grüezi, ich bin Andreas und das ist der Timo und wir sind Teil von der TV-Arbeit vom ICF in Zürich. Und was wir hier genauso machen, das erzählt euch jetzt der Timo. Ja genau, wir zeichnen jede Woche unsere Gottesdienste auf und strahlen die dann auf zehn verschiedenen Fernsehkanälen mittlerweile über 40 Mal pro Woche im deutschsprachigen Fernsehen aus. Nicht nur das, wir nehmen auch noch zusätzlich 24 Folgen Story of Christmas auf, das heißt 24 Mal wie Adventskalender zu Weihnachten gehen wir direkt in die Wohnzimmer von den Leuten zu Hause. Dann nehmen wir noch Musicals und Konferenzen, alles ins Fernsehen. Also eine mega coole Sache. Und wenn du Teil von dieser TV-Arbeit sein möchtest, dann bieten wir jetzt einen einjährigen bezahlten Internship an, wo du wirklich herkommen kannst, Teil davon sein kannst und lernen kannst, wie wir das genau machen. Wir freuen uns, von dir zu hören. Yes.